What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. The immense pleasure of sitting down with Justin Redrick, author of From Bars to Bitcoin. Great in-depth conversation. I really like this one. Got deep into a lot of topics. Redemption. Low time preference. Helping people understand Bitcoin. How to approach different people. What Bitcoin is. I love this conversation. It was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App's help you stack sets and sets. Receive sats and sell sats if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 sats. Because sats are the standard. 100 million sats, one whole Bitcoin. Cash App makes it very easy to stack sats. Cash App can also be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. You can get paychecks direct deposited into the app. Uh, they got their boost card. They've got their boost program. It's a beautiful thing. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, make sure you do so using the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Woo! 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 Owls Lacrosse. This rip is also brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. And the way they do that is with their collaborative custody vaults. Uh, and they have a special offer for you freaks, a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a multi-sig vault set up. The way it works is uh, their vault specifically, it's a two or three multi-sig in which you hold two keys, Unchained holds one key. You can always move your UTXOs out of your vault at your own pace whenever you want to because you have control, you have two of the you have two of the two necessary keys needed to sign to move those transactions. If you're ever in a pinch, though, and you only have one key on you, Unchained is there. To be that second in a two or three multi-sig setup, their White Glove Concierge service comes with many video co- conference calls that are going to get you comfortable with uh, multi-sig with their Vault specifically. Uh, they're going to send you hardware wallets. They're going to get hardware wallets in your hands. They're going to teach you how to create private public key pairs and back up the seed phrases associated with those private keys. Then they're going to set up your vault. They're going to have a thousand cuck bucks worth of stats dumped into it. And then they're going to teach you how to back up your derivation path as well. Um, again, it's a beautiful thing. If you tell them TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off this whole package. Again, eliminate single points of failure in your security model. If you have your coins on an exchange you actually don't have bitcoin you have claims on bitcoin that's a single point of failure if you have all your coins on a single sig wallet that is also a single point of failure if you lose your seed phrase and the wallet associated with that phrase uh, you are shit out of luck so help distribute that risk the multi-sig two or three multi-sig vault is a great way to do that uh, go check everything they have going on beyond the vault program at unchained.com they have an incredible blog another incredible suite of products beyond the vault uh and they're doing beautiful things shout out to the unchained team this rip is also brought to you by good friends at compass mining compass mining is here to get more individuals into the hashing game uh the way you do it you go to compassmining.io you can buy an asic there and you have multiple options with that asic uh they have an at-home support team so if you want to mine at home they have a a special team a specified team to help you get that miner and then get it sent to your house and get it plugged in they're going to teach you uh, how to get the electrical infrastructure set up so that you can actually plug the miner in, how to connect to, to your miner's IP and then point that at a pool, and how to stream sats from the pool to a wallet of your choice. Uh, that's the at-home mining option. If you have cheap electricity and you want to mine at home or you just want to mine at home because you want to have your ASIC there, the Compass team is here to help you do that. They also have the ability to 
partner, you had the ability to buy an ASIC and then have it plugged in at a partner hosting facility with competitive electricity rates. So you buy the ASIC and then you pick a hosting facility where it will get plugged in. They just signed a big deal with a hydro energy provider in Ontario over 2022. They're going to have an additional 140 megawatts of capacity come online. So it's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, and then beyond that, they have an incredible blog, incredible podcast, incredible newsletter. Um, they're doing great things. They, had, they just put a great video out on the Navajo uh, Nation uh, mining Bitcoin here in the U.S. as well. Really beautiful documentary, mini doc, not too long. Go check it out. Uh, go check everything out at compassmining.io. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Brains uh, is here to help miners out and the way they do that they have slush pool obviously they're the team behind slush pool slush pools the oldest mining pool in the bitcoin mining space uh they've been true to bitcoin their whole time uh they've been up and running uh they had a big update earlier this summer that uh, makes the the payouts more flexible you can create thresholds, thresholds not thresholds thresholds i don't have flesh on the mind it wasn't like a Freudian slip or anything it's just thresholds okay uh, that you can choose, like say, hey, I don't want to move this off until I have like 10 million sats in the account. Um, so you can set that up. Also, if you have a mining operation with many individuals involved, they allow you to easily split the rewards within the slush pool UI. So you don't have to do that manually after the fact. It's very convenient. And then on top of that, there's a team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, uh, which allows you to download a special firmware onto particular ASICs, specific models that are compatible with the firmware. And it's going to help you stack more sats with your hash because it's going to help you produce more hash because they found a way to auto-tune the firmware to focus on high frequency chips um, so that you're producing more hashes more efficiently uh, again go check out their website brains.com b-r-a-i-i-n-s.com find out which miners are compatible with brains of us plus firmware and if you have miners that are compatible with it i would download it because you're leaving sats on the table if you do not beyond that uh they're looking to hire. If you're a Rust developer, system admin, or have worked with hard hardware, they're they're interested in speaking with you. If you want to work for a great Bitcoin-only company that's building incredible products, and then they're also working on incredible open source projects like Stratum V2, this is the team for you. If I were smart enough, I would try to work with them, but unfortunately, I'm just a dumb podcaster. Um, yeah, that's it. Go check out everything they have going on. They have an incredible blog and great tools as well. They have a mining profitability tool that you can check out too. Brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Follow them on Twitter at Brains underscore systems and enjoy this rip with Justin Redrick. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here at a studio. I had to I had to move to a new studio because it's cold here in Austin for the first time since I lived here and I've been recording outdoors. So I didn't want my guests to be shivering while we're recording. We're in a nice warm studio uh, at the Capitol Factory. Car, what is the official uh, the official group we're with here? Bitcoin Club? 
Austin Bitcoin Club. In the Austin Bitcoin Club. They were kind enough to have me and my guest, Justin Redrick. It's Redrick. Redrick. <laughs> I had Redrick in my mind. I just asked him how you pronounce his name. He said Redrick, and I reverted back to Redrick. It's all good, man. The author from Bars to Bitcoin. What the hell's going on? Nothing, man. Well, life. Uh, out here in cold Austin. It's, uh, this is my second time coming to Austin in November. First time I was caught off guard, but uh, yeah, it's the same. But no, nah, it's cool, man. Just actually just did an interview with someone earlier this morning. Yeah, who was that? Um, this guy, Moon Tower Business, um, yeah. Joseph O'Bell. He, we met at the um, Long Lost, no, the Lost Creek Country Club. He's a, um, he's looking to become a Bitcoin lawyer. So it was real neat, man, real neat. And just, I'm thinking about going to go see the 3D printed community they have. Oh, hell yeah. So yeah, just exploring the city of Austin, man. Where are you living right now? I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I even, well, you know, when I was up here last time, I got uh, flown out by Peter McCormick. We met, and then I think CK had mentioned you on, mm-hmm. on Twitter. And you're like, hit me up when you're in Austin. I was like, shit, I'm just leaving Austin. So <laughs> everything just seemed to work out again, man. Yeah, that timing was uh, was a bit unfortunate. I'm like, yeah, when are you going to be in? He's like, I just left. <laughs> I was in the airport reading your tweet. <laughs> like, wow, damn. Uh, are you born and raised in North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Charlotte. So you wrote a book about Bitcoin. What should we talk about first? How you found Bitcoin? Why you wrote a book? We can do um, why I even wrote the book. We go to how. But ironically, the book isn't just a Bitcoin book. Mm-hmm. So it tells the story from me uh, being homeless with my mom in high school to watching a friend get murdered to going to college, dropping out of college. Then when I dropped out of college, going to prison, coming out of prison, coming to entrepreneurship, and then finally finding Bitcoin through my childhood friend, Bitcoin Zay. Oh, so, so you're friends with Isaiah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Been known since I was 11 years old. And so... Um, that book, the book tells that journey though, that bit by bit journey, uh, what I had to go through, the transformations I had to go through mentally to even just be ready to accept Bitcoin. Um, and finding out about Bitcoin when I did was the ultimate lifesaver. I can honestly say it didn't change my life, it saved my life. So I wasn't like involved in a lot of crazy stuff, but being out the rat race of figuring out what to do with money and mm. then seeing what freedom was from a whole a whole point of view with Bitcoin was just life changing. Holy shit. <laughs> I need to I need to hear more about this story. So you grew up, you're homeless or your mother. What what uh what was that like? So <clears throat> I remember when I was leaving high school. I was in high school and I was uh leaving basketball tryouts and it was two thousand and six. So my mom was like, we got to move. We got to pack all our stuff. And I said, you know what happened? We lost the house. So at 17, you know, you're thinking everything's just going to turn right back on. Uh, but it didn't. And, you know, we were just moving. We were living from friends, some of her friends' house. And then we ultimately moved in with my granddad. And it was an experience like, you know, at that age, I really didn't understand what was going on. I was just hoping for something to change. And for years, I rode that hope until I realized that nothing changes without you doing it. 
Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that revelation came when I came home, like in prison, but when I came home from prison, it was just like, you can't ride on hope. You got to go actually do some shit to get results. And, you know, I love my mom to death. I love all my family, but even then I realized I'm not going, I can't rely on, I can't rely on people to change my predicament. You got this, this revelation while in prison or just getting out of prison? Oh, that happened. That mainly happened. It happened in prison. And then when I came home from prison, it was reestablished. Mm-hmm. You know, just seeing that, you know, I was kind of in the same predicament. So I had to, like, I, I remember telling Isaiah, I was looking for something that was going to change the world. You know, I was looking for something world changing. Like, it didn't really matter. If only I could be there early mm-hmm. to just take advantage. Then that's when I saw, I saw, I learned about Bitcoin and, it was like, Bitcoin was like seven years old, man. So um, it was still 2016. And so it was so early, no one paid attention to it. And I thought like, well, damn, here you are out of prison. Bitcoin is $600. Mm-hmm. Shit, what other opportunity is there out there? And so I just hopped right on the Bitcoin. Hell yeah. What, how was Isaiah pitching it to you? He really kind of didn't. Uh I met up with him at a gas station. He was just like, Justin. I saw him there. I was like, what's up? And, you know, we were talking. And we we had, he didn't even, he didn't even say nothing about Bitcoin at all during the conversation. So I said, I'll follow him on Instagram. He said, yeah, Bitcoin's A. I said, Bitcoin? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was like, all right, cool. I followed him. And then uh, I know I saw the movie Dope and I saw him talking about Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then um, my granddad, he he tried to buy a miner. Like we got this big ant miner at home. Mm-hmm. He got scammed, but he wanted, he was trying to mine Bitcoin. So his initiative was better than most people's. It's just you got the wrong product. But um, so eventually, I started looking at Zay's uh, Instagram again. I was like, he had, he had like he was showing the old apps, uh, like like. Uh, air, uh, what's it called? Airbits. Mm-hmm. You know the old Airbits uh, mobile app, and just a lot of uh, graphs and uh, and documents. I'm like, what is this? And so then I hit him up one day, and he was it was almost like he was happy that the bait worked. So he told me he said, you know, Bitcoin is like digital money. You could use it as cash. He said it's like gold. It goes up in value. He said, and it's decentralized, so it's outside of government control and regulation. And that stood out because, like I said before, I was used to using stamps in prison. And when Zay was able to, like, pitch it like that, and I asked him, I said, you know, how long have you been on this journey? He said, well, you know, I've been knowing him about a year. He said, but I'm just coming out public talking about it. He said, so about, you know, a year to two years. I was like, well, if you're just going to get started, I'm just going to get started. So it was like one of those, if you look back at it, it could be like one of those movies where you just you got two kids, two young adults really who don't know nothing about like what's going on. Well, you know, but you know something else is happening and you just hop into it. You know, um, of course, you see Zay is taking off to another level and Bitcoin was Bitcoin did that, though. He also said that no matter what, if you're attached to Bitcoin, when Bitcoin goes up, you go up with it and it's 
It was so much opportunity. I couldn't pass it up. Is that what drew you most? Like the opportunity or was it like the the freedom aspect of it? Or? The freedom, uh, both really not having to not having to deal with a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you feel like you gotta you have to do more work to get noticed. I mean, you always gotta do work to get noticed. I mean, that's how I got here, but you know, you gotta do work to to have like for someone to give you the okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have to do that in Bitcoin. It's just about it was about how much work and knowledge you put into Bitcoin where other people can be impacted and what you're saying aligns with what it is. So there was no gatekeeper. Um, That was oppressive. The fact that even if I never came out publicly about Bitcoin, I could still be majorly successful with Bitcoin. Um, And also that it was new, like it was, it was, it's still new. Like you have less than the 1% of the population knows how to properly secure a Bitcoin. Like we're still new. So it, it was so much opportunity, and more importantly, I just, there was nobody telling me I could not do it. There was no amount of money keeping me out. Like, I could buy Bitcoin with $10. You know, just the the freedom to participate with really no one in the way was amazing. Like, I didn't have to, I didn't have to speak to anybody about anything. I had to learn how to buy it, but as far as, like, really participating, there was no one in the way. It was just a decision. So that helped me out a lot. Yeah. That's the fucking beauty of it, right? It's still <laughs> so early. Yeah. It's like, crazy. Yeah. People try to call it a scam. It's like, hey, it's it's literally liberating people all over the world from mm-hmm. the tyranny of, of the state and, like, government-controlled money. And I think, so how how long were you in prison for? Like, what what's the story 2000, that? So 2011, 2014, I had gone to prison for a home invasion. Um just trying to really I was just trying to find ways to make money and that's why I tell all the time in, in the black Bitcoin billionaires from bars to Bitcoin room when you don't really have you know knowledge of finances or outlets that can really change your life with money you make crazy decisions and anyone who commits crime for money you've lost your mind because like there's only there's only a certain group of people that's good at doing it and they pretty much control the money too. But um right. <laughs> they're the only ones that's good at it. So uh within that though, I started realizing that more more times than not, my problems came from lack of knowledge of money, lack of knowledge of finances. And when I had gone to prison, I was like, yo, you can be great in anything. Just choose something that's correct. And that was Bitcoin. And so um, that was that's how I even got in there just trying to find ways to make money then you it was an interesting story my car broke down <laughs> I was headed to this woman's house <laughs> my car broke down halfway there and I was just like damn what I'm gonna do now and so um, you know some people I knew they were trying to say yeah we can do this thing get us some quick money and I was like alright let's try it didn't work out, got me three years in prison. It was ironic when I came home from prison and, you know, I'm in the Bitcoin space. I noticed that that whole Instagramification of one quick money, that's what they do in shit corner. Right. <laughs> and I was like, this energy feels the same, you know, where you look at, you know, trying to do all the different stuff with alts and everything. It's like, 
for me, chasing quick money never worked. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't solve the problem. And so, like, that was a big, that was a that was another big game changer for me when I copped into Bitcoins. Like, there is no such thing as get rich quick nowhere. Like, not in the streets, not in crypto, not in business. It doesn't exist. So, that was a real album. Yeah. And even if you do get rich quick, like in the altcoin stuff, I saw a tweet going around this morning. <laughs> it was like, nobody that's quote unquote made it mm-hmm. in my crypto circles is happy. They're all depressed. It's like, well, because you didn't really add value to the world. <laughs> um, you did. Well, that's like the other thing too. Like you said, you said like the, the best criminals at making money are those who actually control the money. And I think that's why me personally, I'm so drawn to Bitcoin is because I do think we fix the money, we can fix the world. Like mm-hmm. crimes of desperation, like fucking mm-hmm. trying to get a quick buck, yeah. just like fix a car, are driven by the fact that you can't save money. You know, the ability to actually like build a better nest egg for yourself because they fucked up the money so bad. I say it like this, man. Bitcoin works so well that I told somebody on one podcast: if the dollar worked as well as Bitcoin, you wouldn't need any investments. Like even to, to in today's time. Bitcoin is the only thing I hold. You know, Bitcoin is the only thing I hold. And within that, it works so well that it automatically incentivizes you to save it. Like, you might have people in different countries who who might not be able to hodl all of their Bitcoin, but I bet you it tones down what they're going to, you know, use their sets for. And, you know, regular money does not present that equation to you. It's just like, let me get in and spend it. And Bitcoin has a lot of like subconscious incentives. Like for instance, even with mining, most people would say mining is just meant to make Bitcoin, but it's actually a built-in. It's a it's like a automated issuance with a with a with with math added to it. Like it's going to get cut in half every four years. So even with that in itself. But most people would say, well, I'm mining to earn Bitcoin. No, you're mining to keep the network decentralized. That's why you're mining. But you think you're mining to earn Bitcoin. But the incentive to earn Bitcoin is so great that you don't even see that you're upholding the network. Yeah. Have you, been, have you gotten into mining at all or since your grandfather? Ne- <laughs> nah, I still have. I never really, I never got into mining. I'm, I know I'm going to lead that way. I built a node. I tried to build a node in 2018. I was able to complete it this year it was a little bit easier now I I built a lightning node and I know mining will probably happen as well don't know when though there's a lot of cheap energy out there (laughs) that's that's what you gotta find it's cheap energy I've fell down the mining hole hard the last three years and it's like that's a hole like bitcoin's rabbit hole in and of itself and then you can fall down these like micro rabbit holes like within the ecosystem so what's the craziest thing about mining I think the craziest thing well, it's literally, it seems crazy to most people. You see the FUD about, like, energy usage, and I just think it's completely off base. Like, <laughs> Bitcoin's going to drive, Bitcoin mining specifically is going to drive, like, an energy renaissance. Like, yeah. I think it's going to make us go make sure we're not wasting ener- any energy at all. Uh, you know what's unique? I remember, like, I have no knowledge of mining, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but, like, really running a mining rig. And it was like, you know, I said, I don't know much about mining, but it's not cold near volcanoes. So <laughs> so something is changing even within, like, disruption is happening within the disruptor. Yeah. You know, with mining, um, you be able to mine using natural energy. I mean, 
I think I really first started hearing about this when Michael Saylor was, he was, uh, it was when he first started doing like open conversations about Bitcoin. And he was just talking about, um, I think he was talking to a guy named Ross. Ross Stevens, yeah. Yeah. And he was just saying how, um, you know, you can capture energy from natural resources to mine. And I was just like, wow, like, this is a real, like, so this is really like Bitcoin using the world to mine Bitcoin. And even within that, folks were saying like, well, that's a problem. That's a problem. And it's. It's like you don't look at the regular everyday problems you already have with what you're doing. Like, I said this and it went past, either they ignored it or it went over their head. But I said, well, if mining Bitcoin is a waste of energy, think about working 30 years on inflated money. Yeah. Like, how much time do you lose on that? How much time did you lose? How much gas did you spend driving to your cube job? How much (laughs) energy was used to turn on your computer at that cube job did it actually add any benefits to society like right because a lot of like the the fiat economy like the excel slaves (laughs) like they're 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 working to build like these financialized products that are unnecessary if you have Mm -hmm. like a good money where you can save like Mm -hmm. you don't need to like build all these crazy exotic financial products to just (laughs) get people to outpace inflation you know it's wild people don't ever talk about that like a lot of times when I talk to some of my friends there, they have investments and they, you know, they do all the other stuff. But I'm like, you know, have y'all ever looked at the type of money you have? Like the quality of the money you have? What do you mean? You know, this has this tax benefit. Godly. So you need a benefit from the government to make this investment worth something. It's like if you look at what the money is doing, this is why I said, like, you wouldn't need all the things you needed. You wouldn't need, I mean, Presumptually, you don't really need life insurance if you have enough Bitcoin, right? You know what I mean, like, why would you? What, 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 what is New York Life going to be able to offer you twenty years from now that one Bitcoin, that one Bitcoin can? I need you to come tell my wife this because she's like, we need life insurance. <laughs> like, Bitcoin is our life insurance. It is. Hey, the only thing I would say is like, I mean, if you were of this thought to how you know people might use Casa or something, you know, for. I mean, I'm not saying you as Marty or I wouldn't either, but, you know, you just have, it's it's always these unique businesses that come out and you just have to, you know, see how things play out. I think things can go well because everyone has their own personal use case. But I mean, when you really think about it, I, I remember folks just say, do you think Bitcoin replaced the banks? And like the earlier me was like, nah, probably not. But now it's like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they will. <laughs> they will. You give it time, they will. It's, I mean, it's already happening. The banks are <laughs> well, the, the banks are starting to notice too, and they're scrambling. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, we need to get our clients access to money, or they're going to go away. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think it was the guy. What Pomp said. He said, if "Your if your your wealth management team is not talking about Bitcoin, you need to fire them because it's like, what are you guys doing? You you have an asset that is clearly outpacing everything on Earth." And we're still talking about gold and, you know, bond yields or whatever. And it's like, well, what? Why, why are we not taking opportunity on this? Yeah. I mean, 200% compound annual growth rate <laughs> for the last decade. And it's like, they're going to miss it. They're going to get in. We're going to be hyper-Bitcoinized. We're going to be like, all right, now you guys can have Bitcoin. Yeah, now they're going to have to pay like a, wow. Like, you know, it's wild. The amount of Bitcoin Michael Saylor and uh, MicroStrategy bought some guy probably paid $10 for it back in the day. Right. 
That's crazy. Trading like <laughs> on some weird IRC, like OTC desk. Yeah. It just ran it to a hundred thousand. Well, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of those people too who got in early. Probably bought like hundred fifty thousand Bitcoin, like fifty bucks, and then they either lost it or spent it. And that's the other thing too. Like it's this whole thing's been evolving mm-hmm. over the last thirteen years. You can argue like even a lot of the early day people didn't understand like the concept of low time preference, they did not. They did not. the potential. Because it was a crazy idea. You're mm-hmm. just like fucking running your MacBook and it's producing these Bitcoins. What the hell is this? Like, I met a woman in Florida. She said, I first bought Bitcoin at $3. I looked at her like she was like like a, a, a statue or something. I was just like, wow. And she actually said, you know, back then we did not know what we had. And, you know, to the point of like, well, if I, it's like this. If I mess it up at $3... And it goes to 12, I can definitely, you know, I can catch in on that. But once it starts, like, really taking, I mean, it's 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 to the point, like, if it really starts taking off, you'll still be able. But after a while, you start seeing that, you know, this is a good play. Um, and when, when a lot of those earlier people say that, you know, just lets you know that, I mean, someone's going to get mad, but one Bitcoin might really be enough because... I said this before. A lot of people have, you know, how they feel about lost Bitcoin because you don't want to lose no Bitcoin. But human error will always be a thing. And there will be a time where there's more lost Bitcoin than Bitcoin in circulation. And and then you'll be saying, you know, I wish I just had one Bitcoin. So that's uh, that's very, that's a very real reality that's going to take place. I don't know when, but you will have more Bitcoin lost than Bitcoin in circulation. Yeah. I mean, we're already at, what, like 5 million estimated? Yeah. And it's like 20%. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And I think even less than one Bitcoin. Like, if you if you have, like, 10 million sats, you have 0.1 Bitcoin, like, mm-hmm. at some point in the future. So, like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're already getting to the point. That's, what, like $62,000? Like, the average mm-hmm. median income is, well, the median income is below that. So, like... We're already at a point where your average American couldn't even spend their their salary. What's the year. average? What? How much does the average American hold? Like you know, as far as like they say, the average American doesn't have this much in savings. What's yeah, like a thousand to five hundred, five hundred to a thousand. There's the uh, the stat that's usually thrown around that like I believe it's sixty percent of Americans if they had a four hundred dollar emergency expense, they would have to go into debt to cover it or something like that. Wow, which is insane. So one, so one million satoshis is enough. Yeah, right. That's six hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I started this podcast. Why I'm so like adamant about pushing Bitcoin because I think again, fix the money, fix the world. I think a lot of the, a lot of the underlying struggles that we see in the, the like tumult and uh, volatility that we see in the social incohesion, um, whether it be in like large cities or in middle America is driven by the fact that we fucked up the money. Like people, people are starting to lash out or people are getting desperate. People are getting violent because they're like, Hey, I'm working my whole life. I have nothing to show for it. This is fucked up. And I think Bitcoin provides a solution and not many people realize that it's the money that is driving all this shit. Like, so here's the thing, right? So in my community, like as far as even black Bitcoin billionaires or in general, 
black people are like really waking up to wealth, like they're waking up to that game that's been played. And a lot of times I've even said, you know, our problem is we we run to what was left behind by by the by the other races that were in front of us. So let's say, for instance, I have a lot of friends who are into, oh, I want to get into real estate now. I want to get into life insurance now. I want to get into this. And it's like, you applaud them, but it's then it's to the next level. But, you know, the the type of money you're chasing, they've left that. They left those envir- They left those investments behind. Like, they're going to digital real estate, Mars, Bitcoin. So it's like, the game you're looking to play, it can't be the game that has worked in previous centuries. It's the game that the people, or you call them the 1% or whatever, the power players, whatever, it's the game that they're looking to play now. And even the people amongst those circles aren't looking at Bitcoin. Like, you still have a lot of people with a lot of wealth that might not take Bitcoin serious. And that's where the opportunity lies, because in 2016, I noticed that the folks I went to school with they weren't into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, online, on YouTube, it was really Richard Richard Branson was saying some good things. Mm-hmm. Um, Trace Mayer, he said something wild, like if the U.S. government put 1% of their, um, what was it, 1% of national debt in Bitcoin, like this thing would go through the roof. And I was like, that's like 20 trillion something dollars. Um even Mark Cuban had positive things to say about Bitcoin then. And I was just noticing, like, there was a lot of different levels of money. And the folks who understood money were talking about the quality of the dollar. Like, one more, um, I remember I was on Gentleman of Crypto with Zay and uh, King. And they were talking about when Henry Ford in 1921 said, we need to move to a different way of money you know, mm-hmm. by, backed by energy and um, I had my friend Ryan Lawrence he broke it down a little bit more he said well Henry Ford was alive at the time where first of all he's the Elon he was the Elon Musk of 1921 mm-hmm. he already saw a problem with money when he was born the dollar had to be worth like four dollars by the time he was making that claim the dollar had dropped to three dollars in value so those the people with that much money and that level of like insight, influence, or or uh, connections, they're doing the same thing now. Billionaires are always worried. Billionaires are noticing that. I mean, they've already always noticed it, but it's like, how do we preserve what we have? Yeah. And we as regular people have a very unique time to take advantage of the same thing a lot of them are taking advantage of. Yeah, we can participate in the greatest wealth transfer of all time. Like, it's, that's literally what's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe there will be more billionaires, but there'll be like fiat dollar mm-hmm. billionaires, mm-hmm. and they'll want to be like Satoshi billionaires. Like, oh, wow, man. Satoshi billionaires. How many Bitcoin do you need to be a Satoshi billionaire? Just 10 Bitcoin. You get, you just get 10. 10. Just 10. Just 10. It's uh, it's crazy to think that like that that's going to be like a status symbol in the future. It's like, oh, you're a Satoshi billionaire. And but that's like most people aren't going to do that. But the opportunity is still here. That, I think that's what we have to stress. Anybody listening mm-hmm. who may be new to Bitcoin, like, ah, oh, it's $62,000. It's too expensive. It's out of my reach. It's not. It's still very early. It's not. It's early. You'll have pray for a Bitcoin winner. Um, the last one I was kind of young on, but 
you give me another three years of consistent price. That was that was the only time we were steady money, if you look right. at it. And even then, even then, between that time period, Bitcoin was still a better option than the U.S. dollar. Because if it was, if let's just say, for instance, everybody wants a stable, nobody really wants a stable currency, but let's just say Bitcoin was stable those three years. It was still outside of government control. Like if it just stayed at $6,000 for three years, period, it was still a better asset it was still a better option than a dollar because it didn't go down in value and it's outside their control their means of control so bitcoin is a bitcoin is a bitcoin is a win no matter how you look at it no it's i mean it is the greatest extension of natural law human rights property rights freedom of speech since like the bill of rights and <laughs> literally like mm-hmm. what you just said like the mm-hmm. fact that nobody can control it people don't understand they don't grasp that like the U.S. dollar literally has less utility than Bitcoin because if I wanted to send it from here to Venezuela, U.S. dollars would not be allowed. Bitcoin, I could do it right now. There was, was we had found somebody on Twitter in Venezuela that's like put a Bitcoin address, we could send it, no problem. You probably just send it to him as a tip. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like, were you on with um, Michael Sales on Spaces last night? Yeah, I did peek in there um, for a bit uh, with him and Greg. I popped in for like 10 minutes and he was talking, uh, love Michael, we've had our bouts uh, on this podcast <laughs> and on Twitter every once in a while, but um, I think he's doing incredible things for the space, but I do worry him trying to pigeonhole Bitcoin as like this digital property, mm-hmm. um, which I think, I mean, it is digital property. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I own my private keys, my private keys are my property, um, but I worry that like that framing is going to be taken by the regulators. They're going to run with it. They're going to start taxing Bitcoin like they would real estate and mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that, which I don't think would be an advantage. Um, but I also think he's the CEO and majority shareholder in a publicly traded company and has to posture uh, a certain way and isn't allowed to come right out and say, hey, we're going to we're going to get move to a Bitcoin standard. Hyper Bitcoinization is real. Um, I'm I speculative think- attacking my debt. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to, you know, I've, I noticed that a lot too. Early on, you know, you would, I would be like, you know, why isn't he saying this? Not just him, just anybody. Like, why aren't they saying this? Why aren't they saying that? And then, you know, I had to sit back and realize people have, like, when you're on different levels of, of money, you have to abide by a different set of rules. Um, I did like how he actually said, you know, how he broke down his opinion with, it being a property, now you can't, you know, if it's a property, if I have property rights, I can lean it, yeah. remodel it, upgrade it, sell it, as opposed to security rights. That was, to me, it was like he was also saying, you know, I, I mean, I took it as an underlying message of saying, just buy Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, like, don't go into the the ETF space or, you know, any of this these types of, instruments that are giving you exposure without giving you the actual asset. Yeah. Because outside of, you know, outside of that, you know, what could what could take place? You know, you're not going to get you're not going to get everything. And the money could go up, but you're not going to get the freedom of the money. No, you're you're going to you're going to one day you're going to want your bitcoin, you're going to have to <laughs> cash it out for fiat, your ETF, you're going to have to pay taxes on it and then you're probably not going to get in at the price you want. You think you have uh, half a Bitcoin uh, because you have exposure to that ETF for $30,000 with say today's prices but then 
you don't have any Bitcoin at all. Ooh. No, and I completely agree with that. I that I, we should be like people buy Bitcoin. Because not I got ETFs. a question: if they're not really buying Bitcoin, if you're buying the ETF, and let's say you do have a half at thirty thousand, and Bitcoin ten x's, how are they going to re? Like I've, that part is a mystery to me. How how are you going to re? How are you going to give someone that benefit of that their because to me, it just sounds a lot still like quantitative easing about what we're already in. Like, I'm not quite sure, but if everyone was to just have half a Bitcoin in their ETF or whatnot, and then, you know, they wanted to cash out, what are you going to give them? Yeah, well, they're going to have to give them dollars. And so that's like, right now, the ETFs, the only ETFs that are on the market are like futures contracts, futures exposure, which, which is like another even another derivative. So that I think there's some physically settled futures contracts. Um, the futures contracts are paper, but the paper, some of them, not all of them are backed by physical Bitcoin. I believe the CME is. Um, but then mm-hmm. the ETS buying the contracts, which are backed by Bitcoin. So you have like two degrees of separation there. I mean, if there are like physically settled Bitcoin ETFs that come to the market, those ETFs will have to buy Bitcoin. Um, for those funds however whether or not they do uh, whether or not they actually do it or just say they do it is another question Mm -hmm. like I would like to see if these ETFs claim to be physically backing the fund with Bitcoin that they like do a proof of reserves and like attest that they have Mm -hmm. the amount of Bitcoin that the ETF should have but yeah at the end of the day like when you go to cash out as a consumer of that ETF you want to sell it um or take your money out of it. You're, you're not getting Bitcoin out of it. You're, yeah, and it's, they're selling Bitcoin. They're getting cash, and they're giving you the cash. And it's it's to the point of like, where are you going to get? Like, if I'm not, if you're not actively buying physical Bitcoin, and it's crazy we call it physical Bitcoin, but if you're not buying physical Bitcoin, and my half of Bitcoin is at thirty grand now goes to three hundred thousand dollars, where are you getting the money for me to cash this out? You know, because even at this, and this is the power of having Bitcoin, even as a regular person, like you could have a whole Bitcoin now, you could have bought a Bitcoin at 10,000, it's at $60,000 now. So you know, but you know where you're going to get your 10,000 from because you actually have the Bitcoin. You want to take out $10,000. Yeah. And and the money has to be there. With an ETF, that doesn't actually have Bitcoin in my mind. I'm trying to wrap my head around like where, because you can get, all right, you can get my one three hundred thousand dollars. You know, you can probably get that somewhere. But what if a hundred people wanted their money? Yeah, I mean, if it's fractionally reserved, you'll have a run <laughs> on the ETF. What they would try to do first was pull from other products that are trading on margin that are well capitalized, and people aren't trying to dump, and mm-hmm. they try to like bandaid over that, but. In the long run, if people lose confidence in financial products, which I think they will in the long run, over the medium in the long run, because again, why, why take risk um, in like high yielding ETFs if you can just have the low risk of holding Bitcoin in a wallet that you control and it's still your purchasing power increases because deflation is taking taking hold of the asset and already has taken hold yeah like i don't buy the etf btc is <laughs> is the real etf just make sure you're stacking utxos and mm-hmm. it's oh, uh wow, i like that stack utxos that's yeah. a good one yeah i like that one 
You said something real nice, uh, real dope on Twitter. Uh, if you don't mind, I don't, I don't mean to flip the question. That's all good. But it was with, um, I think it was talking about lightning and deal. I was on one of those spaces. I didn't get to stay the whole time, but I saw you tweet about it. Uh, I don't know if it's DLCs or... Mm -hmm. Discrete log contracts, yeah. yeah what, so how does that integrate with Lightning? Like, really, what is it? So a discrete log contract, it's a smart contract, but it is off-chain. So compared to, like, Ethereum smart contracts or even Bitcoin smart contracts, the way they work now, um, this is much more private and much less data-intensive. So you create, like, a smart contract off-chain, and you can then... Uh, create a special Bitcoin transaction that you have basically different inputs that send um, send Bitcoin to certain addresses based off the outcome of that smart contract. Um, so you can basically set these special transactions using this off-chain smart contract. Um, and you, So we could bet on a base, baseball or basketball game that like Sixers are playing tonight. I'm from Philadelphia. Sixers... Um, play tonight and we bet I don't know who they're playing um, but let's say they're playing the Bulls and I want to bet on the Sixers you want to bet on the Bulls we would put sats in the smart contract we'd create a special transaction that says alright if the Sixers win here's the wallet address that Marty wants his Bitcoin sent to and predetermine if the Bulls win here's the, the address Justin wants his sats sent to and so we'd set that up and then we'd use a third-party oracle or multiple oracles. So we could use like NBA.com, ESPN. Mm -hmm. um, to let the contract know who won the game? Yeah. So, so we just okay. so we just pull, all right, Sixers won. We pulled the data from NBA.com. Uh, they, they would have to provide a hash. So they would have to participate as an oracle. And I think all these leagues, websites, uh, books will. Let's see, Vegas could be another one. Um, and so they would they would sign a hash that says, "Hey, the Sixers won." We then take that hash and then sign the transaction with it. So if the Sixers win, the hash would say Sixers won, and it would allow us to release the Sats to me. If the Bulls win, it'd say the Bulls won. It would allow us to release the Sats to you. And there's and the other beauty of it too is like the NBA.com, ESPN, Vegas bookies. They have no idea that we're making a contract using their data. <laughs> um, wow. So right now you can do it on chain, and we will be able to do it on Lightning at some point in the future. We just need a we need a taproot to make it easier. You can do it on Lightning now. It's a little clunky though, and a little bit more expensive uh, to create. Um, I think you have to use uh, something called like um, extension signatures, or what is it? I forget exactly what it is, but it's like the extension of ECDSA. Now that we have mm -hmm. Schnorr and Taproot, uh, we're going to transition from hash time lock contracts on Lightning to something called point time lock contracts um which basically just changed the way that you create channels on the lightning network and makes it more private and more efficient and once you have that in place you can do dlcs on on lightning as well but you can do them on chain now too if we wanted to so you can it's like you can have all these smart contracts you can have all the gambling and have all the shit coinery stuff <laughs> if you want it um on bitcoin damn that's what I worked at Barstool Sports, and I was trying to convince them on DLCs like a year ago. I was like, yo, Dave, like, I know you're in gambling. You can see I tweeted at him. It was like, <laughs> search like from at Marty Ben at else or Stool Presidente. It was like, because they're in the bookie game. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, you should become, Barstool should become like one of the first DLC oracles where you can, you can just have people gamble. And the oracles are going to get paid too. You can send them like, all right, since we used your, your hash. 
on this bet. We'll, we'll throw you 10 sets or whatever in, mm-hmm. in mass if many people use it. Yeah, I mean, they'll get, they'll get a whole Bitcoin with no problem because uh, people never will stop gambling. No. Um, we'll never stop. Wow. Damn, thanks, Marty. That, uh, there's never a point in time where I meet a Bitcoin and, it don't re- and I never leave with like crazy information because I heard about it. I couldn't stay on long. Then I saw you tweet about it. I was like, well, good. Marty knows about this, but Wow, that's yeah. And it's just the beginning, right? <laughs> I remember I was talking to Roast Beef in uh, in Miami last year, and I was like, you know, man, real quick, I just wanted to ask, like, what did you see as the next thing happening? And his his thing with Lightning and Bitcoin, he was like, well, uh, automatic payments, you know, automatic payments is something that you know you can keep your eyes out on. I'm looking forward. Don't know when, but you know, when you hear about you know what you named and all these other big big people who either have access to projects or you know they're on the project it gives you the opportunity to try to even put your own things together not necessarily making it as big as tech but how can how could I create something to take advantage of something like that because it's all it's still it's all about first movers advantage in my opinion and just to even hear like even how dope a DLC is, it makes me want to go try it myself. Because essentially that that's all that other people are trying to say that, you know, Bitcoin, I mean, you know, DeFi and all this other stuff, well, they can do things Bitcoin can't do. I was like, you know, you haven't seen everything Bitcoin can do and they haven't proven to do one thing Bitcoin can do. Right. So it's like, it's like what, 13,334 coins on coin market cap right now. Only one of them is decentralized. All right. So until the other 13,333 understand how to do that, they will not be as valuable. They will be nowhere near as valuable as Bitcoin. I think you just triggered a bunch of altcoiners out there. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, right? There's an order of operations to it that I strongly believe this, and I say this a lot. Like, there's an order of operations. If these are to be successful, first thing, mm-hmm. first order is it needs to be sufficiently distributed and decentralized. Like, mm-hmm. Nothing. It's PEMDAS. Like, mm-hmm. You can't. You can't solve a math math equation correctly if there's parentheses involved, and you don't do that first. Like you're going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Like similarly with all coins, if you're not sufficiently distributed, like you're just not going to make it in the long run. No, and no. then from there, you can add uh, faster transactions on a second layer, and mm-hmm. you can add smart contracting capabilities. Like they'll all come; they're just later in the order of operations, and mm-hmm. you need to make sure you have the beginning of those operations down pat before you move on to the rest. Because everything doesn't belong on the blockchain. Like, everybody believe. like, I don't really, I don't mean to bust a lot of people's bubble, but when I hear folks say, well, you know, we could do voting on the blockchain, we could do this on the blockchain, I'm like, do we really need to do that? Like, do we really need to vote on presidential elections using the Bitcoin blockchain? I mean, no. Like, most Bitcoiners wouldn't care who's the president, no way. Right. So, I mean, there are a lot of things. I mean, I'm not saying that people can't find a way, you know, what, second layer, but second layer doesn't really keep records. No. You know, so, and in 2017, you know, I really started seeing what it looked like to have a lot of weight on a blockchain. Like, people would throw out these terms and claims, and it's kind of like the dot-com bubble or dot-com, like, you know, just add dot-com to things. But, you know, when you when you have some, you only have to have the most, um, the, the most in-depth knowledge but when you have some you start realizing like 
is all of that really need? Like, is it needed in general? Yeah. But is that needed in a blockchain? No. no. Do you want it in one? No. You know, other altcoins say, well, you know, we, we're we 300 times faster than Bitcoins. Like, yeah, because you're 98% of people in Bitcoin aren't there. Like, you only have two people using your stuff. So you could run crazy on the highway, but your highway still is spotty and doesn't work with people not using it. Yeah. So when people start using it and it still is trash, what is going to happen? Yeah. And it's controlled by like 14 validators. It's like, <laughs> all right, good luck. You missed the first operation of this order of operations. Yeah, so. like it's already over, like even with Ethereum. Yeah. Right. Well, Ethereum is dead. They're moving. They've, they've already uh, essentially uh, made this known. They're moving to ETH 2.0. And I just saw this morning they have ETH 3.0 in the... Uh, in the uh, roadmap already, so. You know what? That reminds me when, like, way back in the day before Zay had launched Gentleman of Crypto, him and King, he asked me, he said, I want, he said, he said, could you research all the altcoins, the top 100 altcoins? I'll pay you every week in Bitcoin. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm literally down to do anything to learn about Bitcoin. And as I'm reading all of these altcoins, reading these roadmaps, they always had these lengthy roadmaps that had no progression towards anything on the roadmap. And the only thing it would sell was speculation on the roadmap. So it was 2016. By 2020, we'll have this done. By 2022, this. And then by 2023, we'll be in full product launch. By 2017, their project was dead. So it's... And that's another thing. Bitcoin has no roadmap. Right, that's they would say that's why Bitcoin's gonna fail. It has no roadmap. It's like like we don't have a roadmap. We didn't have a launch, and just till now we have the worst marketing known to man. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm looking at it like that. I guess if if the shitcoin land is winning in marketing, we just got to get creative with marketing. But really, that's just that's not that's not to get you to you know buy this bag we have well let's jump into that like so how do you think that had that's like one thing that's like the one cool phenomena of the last year i think driven by like the shutdowns lockdowns like you had clubhouse you had the bitcoin black billionaires pop mm-hmm. up other groups uh trying to educate people about bitcoin on clubhouse a lot of it's transitioned back to twitter mm-hmm. um from your perspective like what what do you think we need to do from mark like do you think it's you just said like up until now the marketing's been shit like what What's what's better now? Um, so you do have different mediums like Clubhouse, Twitter, Twitter Spaces, um, and when it comes to the education, I've always noticed that you got to realize that we're so far ahead of the rest of the world that they're going to ask the same nuanced questions yeah. for the next twenty years. You know what I mean? Like, unless there's the speed of adoption just even if the speed of adoption, we got, all right, here we go. We got to really see what do we mean by adoption, right? Do we mean adoption is just to mean, oh, everybody has Bitcoin? It's not really adoption. Um, a good friend of mine, and he was one of the guys who really educated me on Bitcoin early on, him and Zay, his name is D. Miller L. He said, Bitcoin hypernization, mass adoption looks like when, it looks like this, when you have you know the routing, the routers, Wi-Fi mm-hmm. routers. Mm-hmm. He said, when you have Bitcoin nodes in every home, like you do a Wi-Fi router, and they know what it's doing, that's when you have mass adoption, um, because then everybody will be participating, upholding the network. They just won't want 
you know, access to Bitcoin. They just won't have a Satoshi. You know, they'll actually be doing something, you know, part of the network. Um, and then, like, so for myself, like, I have online courses and content, but then, you know, it's like for someone myself, it's like, all right, how do you make Bitcoin sound more compelling than just the number going up? You know, because if I sound like everyone else, they could say, well, you know, Dogecoin goes up. <laughs> and consider to what the information I'm putting out, they're true. You know, so a lot of times it also goes back to, uh, in my opinion, business or marketing one-on-one. It's like the message you put out there, it has to be, it has to come across a different way. Because it's like when we're talking about, let's say we're talking about basketball, we're talking about Michael Jordan, talking about Kobe, we're talking about LeBron, you know, yeah, everybody has rings. Well, everybody's a great player. Everybody has records. But when it comes down to it, what matters is rings. Who has the most rings? All right, Jordan. Who has the least amount of losses? Jordan. And granted, I might think Kobe is a better player than Jordan. But consensusly thinking, speaking, people are going to say Jordan's the greatest of all time. So, you know, it's about making the knowledge of sound money sexy. Right. You know, like, it doesn't really sound sexy compared to... I can flip money in three hours and hit a hundred. Like, you know, like making that type of knowledge cool. Like, for instance, Shiba Inu. Oh my (laughs) God, Shiba Inu, this, that, and third. But it's like, how many of y'all going to go to CoinMarketCap and look at and see that Shiba Inu has an unlimited supply? Yeah. Like, you know, like bringing these types of, this type of knowledge, it's almost like you just want the Bitcoin knowledge to beat down like they try to do everything else and it worked. But, it's to the point of like, also one thing we noticed that we do a lot of Black Bitcoin billionaires. We used to do this in 2016, like before Black Bitcoin billionaires, because you could only use YouTube and the scammers who are out there. You had to like really beat them over the head. But nowadays it's like, you don't really, folks might not really know they're promoting some scamming shit. Um, so, you know, coming from a place of looking at it from their point of view. Most people, especially folks, sometimes will come in through black Bitcoin billionaires. And even, you know, it doesn't even matter how much money they make. Everybody thinks they can make a quick buck. And you have to really be honest. It's like, again, you might hit that one in a million chance of being that person who 100x their money, got into Bitcoin and was got lucky, mm-hmm. pure lucky. You can place your odds on that if you want. However, 99% of people will place their odds on a 1% chance of success. However, 1% of people place their odds on the 99% chance of success, which is hodling Bitcoin. So making those type of terms sexy. sexy right? Yeah. And it's like, it's hard. It's so easy. What I try to do is just be like, because right like what you're describing like everybody's mm-hmm. like oh I want to get rich I want to get rich I'm going to make it big I'm going to 1000x this bag it's mm-hmm. like it's very self-centered <laughs> like yeah. we mm-hmm. Bitcoiners are trying to fix the world like this isn't about me mm-hmm. or you this is about our children our grandchildren and mm-hmm. being able to live right. in a global civilized and fair society like it's bigger than us mm-hmm. 1000xing people don't even know they, what type of society they live in that's another thing people don't know there's something wrong with the money no. They don't know. Like, what do you mean? I get to go to work. I get to spend my money. Like, 
People don't know that, oh, well, they're giving us free money. They gave you free money and he wants 47% gain. <laughs> he wants 47% taxes on unrealized gains. Yeah. So what you and your Shiba Inu gonna do if you up 5 million percent and you got five $5 million that you never had before and Biden might want 2.5 million of them. Yeah. Can you produce that? Yeah. No, you can't. Nobody, cause nobody wants that. You feel me? So like opening them folks eyes is, is, is very real. And cause like you said, it's money before it was self-centered. Now, like, you could be a stone cold racist, and I'll say to you, man, just hey, hot them, do whatever, <laughs> you know, make sure you know it works. You know, it's like make sure you make sure you're doing what you need to do to keep the system running. Because everybody, Bitcoin is the only thing I've ever seen where I really started understanding like contributions, like proof of work. Like mm-hmm. you have to do something. Granted, like one of the things I want to do that I'm working to do and opening a collab with people on this, going inside prisons and teaching the power of Bitcoin. Hell yeah. Because once you do that, you open up people's, it's all about opportunity. Think about it. You have a situation for me. I didn't sell no company and come across eight, eight figures. I didn't make it big in the stock market. I wanted opportunity. You have people who will literally put their lives on the line for opportunity for USD. Like there's this guy in our group. His name is Todd Coley. Matter of fact, it's two guys, Todd and Ubeda. I tell the story. They did like a combined years, combined to like 50 years in prison in their own clubhouse. And I got a room call from Bars to Bitcoin. Monday's at 8 o'clock. If you're, <laughs> if you got clubhouse, come through. Uh, but, and Todd and Ubeda are there. And, I, you know, they tell their story. And I asked my friend, Ryan, I said, so Ryan, tell me what the value of the dollar was 30 years ago. He said roughly 90 cents to a dollar. Let's go with a dollar. By the time Todd and Ubeda come home from prison, the dollar's worth like 85, 83 cents. Mm-hmm. So you went to prison for money. You did your time. It's like you did your time, but the money went this way. Yeah. And like you did all that time for inflationary money and it lost value. And that's something I, I talk about in Black Bitcoin, especially when you don't have any financial literacy at all. You think putting your life on the line for money matters. And the money is designed not to matter. Yeah. It's so, designed to fuck you over. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's a lot like, you like you said, you fix the money, you fix the world, in my opinion. Like you fix, because um, Mike Novogratz said it when we were uh, being interviewed by Coindesk. He said, when you're able to have an asset that can, you know, perform over time, you can really change your family, you have more dignity, you know, you make better decisions without that. And the incentive for the U.S. dollar is to spend it because it does not hold nothing. That's why people value, value things, they value materials. But, you know, once you have a situation like Bitcoin, you realize like, hell, I probably can wear the same jeans for six months. (laughs) 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 Shit, You know what I mean? It's all good. I, yeah, she might not think I'm cute, but I got Bitcoin. She'll be, she'll be <laughs> you know, all the little goofy stuff you did to impress people won't matter no. because you're starting to see a separation. Like, I have friends who I know make well over six figures, right? They know nothing about Bitcoin, and their money is just waiting for them to spend it. You know, the next trip, the next thing to look good, the next like physical bag or whatever. And it's like, you have all these things, but it's not working for you. And 
I saw, I don't know if it was either by Warren Buffett or somebody used Warren Buffett in a meme. But it said, when you buy things, when you buy things that you want, you end up selling them for things you need. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people, well, I got to resell. Like People sell their championship rings. Tom Brady just gave whole Bitcoin for a football. I'm about to go start catching football. football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to start working on my skills, man. Golly, uh, but it's it's you know these like people. That's a crazy. That was a crazy question in the space. People said, "Yo, do you think that guy got cheated over? Did he get a whole Bitcoin for a football? Yes, yeah. no, he did not get cheated over. Like, no, sir. If you're listening to this episode, just hodl that Bitcoin, please. Yeah, please. I mean, you got a whole Bitcoin for some pigskin. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I don't care who threw the football. I love, and I'm a Patriots fan. I love Tom Brady. I don't care if Tom Brady threw the football to Jesus himself. If you're <laughs> going to get out for me a Bitcoin for the football, I'm going to take the Bitcoin. It's like, I don't care nothing about it. They could have just said, hey, we're going to give you one Bitcoin for the football. Take it back. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's that serious. It's yeah. that serious. Yeah, it's like one thing that really, uh, I don't want to say, make, it's just like disappointing, like the clout chasing that goes on in our society these days. It's like, it's all about clout and like, blah, blah, blah. It's eking into like the quote unquote crypto space now at the NFT. It's just like the biggest clout chasing endeavor I've seen in quite some time. And it's like, it's not even aesthetically pleasing the, uh, the NFTs either. I, watched, like, I, want, I want you to see something. This is going to be funny. Um, these guys actually know you. You know Ian? Yeah, yeah. Nature yeah. G. Yeah, he sent me a, uh, a tweet and it was so funny. It was either Ian or my friend Dodger. We're in this group text. And it was it was about. So he said, if you're a player, someone said this on Twitter. I'm not even going to say their name. If you are a player with low starting capital, getting into crypto investing. No, he didn't have no money. If you're a player with low starting capital, getting into crypto, investing in Bitcoin makes no sense in my opinion. So um, my friend Dadu sent me the uh, tweet saying, so putting your money into a JPEG makes more sense, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Like, wow. I had, speaking of text, I had my cousin text me. Uh, oh, God. I think she was joking. She was joking, <laughs> but she texted me. She knew it would trigger me. But, like, she just listened to a podcast, and she was like, uh, I want to buy some NFTs. Just listened to a podcast with Katie Hahn, who's a Fed, by the way. Uh, and now I need to buy more tokens, blockchains, and NFTs. I said, oh, no. All you need is Bitcoin. She laughed. She People was trying try. to trigger me. So this guy on Twitter, I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to get too crazy. So they retweet Michael Saylor's tweet with him showing a bit Bitcoin transactions per second. That one there. Where oh, yeah, going yeah. Crazy. So this guy says, Layer 2, a.k.a. Lightning, does not capture economic value, energy, and activity for its Layer 1 blockchain miners. Need layer one to have high throughout so holders of the digital property can be economically incentivized and capture economic energy. He tried to say some poop coin, shit coin, ego solves this. I retweeted, this has to be the worst and the most obvious take on Lightning ever. Like, people love trying to use great words. I said this as shit coin 2021. I was on stage debating shit coin. I was debating Bitcoin versus shit coins with Tom Vase. And I said, you guys love trying to use nice words in different in different ways to make it seem like what you're saying makes sense. But at the end of the day, you're stating the obvious, like, yeah, lightning, lightning is lightning. And that's what the layer one was supposed to do. Is you have people make these claims all the time and it, it 
it warps newbies mind to believe that going away from bitcoin is what they need to do and that statement's just like patently false like to get on lightning you need to send a bitcoin transaction that pays fees to miners that's the other thing people are like oh there's no fee market there's no fee market like there's not anybody using bitcoin yet like we're so early again if you're listening and you're new we are so early um it just it's a plain fact there's not that many people that own bitcoin and actually use it and for some of you who don't realize how early we are I want you to understand this. You continuously wait on the sideline and you'll be buying millisets and not Satoshis. And that will be an even worse feeling than just buying one Satoshi. Yeah, that's... Especially if you're like you're you're here, you're getting this information now. I would hate like in the future, like God, I listened to that podcast with Justin and Marty and fucking didn't listen. With that being said, if you do wait, if you do stay on the sidelines, Bitcoin's still going to be good for you, mm-hmm. even if you do uh, adopt it at a very uh, high price, uh, considerably higher than it is now. Uh, it's still going to work for you. It's still a good saving vehicle. You're still going to have the ability to save and actually uh, accumulate capital to deploy um, for for things that you need and want in the future. However, you're just not going to participate in this crazy asymmetric bet that we're all playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn sure not. Oh boy, it's gonna be it's gonna be a scary day. It's gonna be it's getting to the point now that you know those conversations of citadels of you know separation like. We're getting to that point now in the Bitcoin world where you're going to start seeing the power of a Bitcoin community. Yeah. Because a six-figure Bitcoin price. You can hide your wealth at $10,000, you know. Oh, Bitcoin's 10K. Okay, cool. You can hide that then. Like, you can have a million dollars in Bitcoin at a $10,000 Bitcoin price. Nobody would really, you know, say much. But, you know, we talk a lot about unit bias and we always usually talk about it with like shit corneries. But unit bias is real throughout throughout any unit. So once Bitcoin is six figures, it doesn't matter if you're realistically sitting on 10 million sats. People are going to think you're worth six figures. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's going to be a reality. A lot of people are going to have to like, you know, how are we going to deal with that? Yeah. Because now people... People kind of know you're a part of, and if you've been here a while, it's gonna it's gonna be a very interesting next few years. Because with a six figure Bitcoin price, you're not gonna be able to hide it no more. I actually lost all my Bitcoin on the car ride over here. You know what? So. I lost. I, we were in Miami. Matter of fact, someone was bringing your name up in Miami, and I was on a boat, man. <laughs> Shit, I was on a boat. Oh, you were on that boat. Yeah, that that one boat, and I tried to go out there and get it, but hey, I lost it all on the boat, man. Hey, you know, at least you had the memories of of the stacking along the way. That's that's yeah. what I like to look back on. I, mean, I had to call my wife right before we hopped on here. I was like, "Honey," and fell out the car on the way here. Or, it's, um, it's, it gets bad, man. Every time, and every time I'm in Miami, I don't know why I still get on boats, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is. I mean, in all seriousness, though, like it's like fuck. Um, that's why I use multisig. Distribute your your wallets. Like I don't, I don't keep any of my shit at my house. Mm-hmm. Moved to Texas because the gun laws are uh, pretty pretty nice down here. You need <laughs> private keys to protect your Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something needs to protect those private keys. That stuff freaks me out. Matt O'Dell freaks him out even more. He's like, 
party. Like, I, I don't like that we're public about like this. Like, I'm like, all right, you're you do a podcast with me every week, so you're you're in already. But <laughs> that's that's one thing I think we like. There there is the potential like a Bitcoin does go crazy. I mean, when it does, that people start to blame like Bitcoin and Bitcoiners for like problems in the traditional financial system. So I think as Bitcoiners, we need to start front running that. Like, hey, this problem was inevitable. Just look mm-hmm. at all this money they're printing. Mm-hmm. Just look at the quality of your life over the course of your life. Like it was degrading before Bitcoin <laughs> showed up. Like, yeah, you and, just didn't know what type of like I, because I've started that myself. Um, I've tried. I'm and I and I'll be honest. I'm trying to find a way to make the the quality of money, the money principle conversation sexy within myself. Might just got to get, I don't know, Rihanna in a. A bikini and just say pay attention to what I'm saying about money right and they'll learn it but uh it's like without without that they're gonna people will blame people with the most money that's the problem um I see it every day when you know folks talk about Elon Musk like oh well you know you da da this da da that and it's like people people who who come with that type of rhetoric have yet to see that you have to bring value to the world to receive some of the things in life. Like, granted, yeah, people have done some despicable shit and they pay for theirs as they pay for it. But you have to be able to produce something of value. You know, and, and that's like, that's a problem with most people because they start thinking everybody's on the same level. And you could be on the level, but you're not because you're complaining you're looking at you're steady you're looking at the problem with no solution mind mm-hmm. at all and you're thinking that well me pointing the fingers is going to help the situation and it's not going to like it has never helped the situation and pointing at bitcoiners listen these could be some of the most bitcoins could be some of the most you know good hearted people and then we don't have to be by choice you know so trying to blame bitcoiners for the world problems would not would not pan out too well. But knowing that, you know, knowing that people need to understand that your money is running you you could have a look at it like this. You got the USD highway. Right. As you go along this highway, potholes become craters. You almost got spikes growing out of anywhere. But you start on the highway where you have this Rolls Royce truck. And you know it's top of the line. However, as the road gets worse, so does the performance of the truck. So eventually, where it doesn't matter what type of truck it is, your truck is on the side of the road with the Tahoes, with the Suburbans, with the Hoopties, with the Hondas. So, and you could look at that as being a different investment. Oh, I got Tesla. I got real estate. Oh, I have this. I have that. All of those assets still run on one money, and. That is one of the biggest things I notice in any conversation. Um, when Pomp, Preston, and Peter were were you know going at it with Mark Cuban, <laughs> that was too funny. Um, I heard Mark say something. He said, "Well, you know," he said, "F you, Peter. I created ten businesses. I did this. I, I did this. I did. I, I built these companies. I built these companies." 
And in my mind, I tried to, I was like, request, request, request. <laughs> I just wanted to say, Mark, listen, kudos for creating companies, right? However, one thing a lot of the billionaires don't realize is you never created money. You know what I mean? Like creating a company is one thing. Creating a money is an entire different animal. And sometimes Bitcoiners, we, we try to, we have to stop even comparing it like that. Because this isn't a corporation. Like this, this you don't need a corporate body in Bitcoin. You know, you're dealing with a money. You've never created a currency before. You've never seen a currency created. You've made money, but you've never created currency. And that baffles a lot of people. You yeah. know, because it's like, I built this, I built that, but you did not build money. Sick, you funded a, a cookie business, Mark Cuban. Those cookies don't affect everybody on the planet. <laughs> Bitcoin does. And now he's like pumping NFTs and all that stuff. It's weird. Michael Goldstein had him in Austin, I think in 2014, like shilling him Bitcoin. He didn't listen then. I think he was just about hurt because Michael Goldstein told him to buy it at a, a very low point and he didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, he's pumping Doge. He accepted Doge's payment and then Rick Carlisle quit too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's only, he saw it himself. It's like, damn, I ain't gonna be able to keep my money no more. I mean, it's, it's, it's and what we and you know you just you know no slight to him but it might be um but you know it's just you just start seeing a difference like I'm listening and it's like yeah well you know Doge is fun I'm like is he really saying this just because like he's trying to do a marketing employ I know he I know I know this can't be this can't be this just can't be all the truth but you know you get to just see that there's a different there's a difference, you know, and when you're when you're looking at like quality of money, you start having different conversations and then you might even run across people who understand investments, but they don't understand the quality of money. And that in itself is a is a gap that truly only Bitcoiners can fill. Yeah. Cuz you people can't, don't ever think about it, man. Mhm. Mm I don't think about money. They take it for granted. It's just like, oh, it quote unquote works. It's scary. Like, that's like the thing. Some people call me Marty Jones because I'm a big quote unquote conspiracy theorist. But like, how's there, how could you not believe that there's like a concerted effort by the powers that be, whoever they be, whoever they are, to like just have people like uneducated? I never learned about money. I had to teach myself on YouTube. I took economics classes. I studied economics mm -hmm. in my major in college. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> we never learned about like money, monetary goods. Mm -hmm. We learned about Keynesian, and then we learned about like supply side uh, monetary policy. We learned about monetary policy. We never learned about the money under that policy. I've only learned about money in Bitcoin, and that was like the past five years. I've learned everything I've learned to know about economics. Um, investments financial literacy it all happened because I was in Bitcoin I was able I learned best when I learned what not to do mm -hmm. like if you say Justin don't do this alright then I won't I might not know what to do instead of that but I won't do that so when it was Bitcoin it was like I learned as much as my brain could take in at those point in times and then I compared what I saw in Bitcoin. The only thing I needed to see in Bitcoin that in that early juncture was that it was consistent. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's consistent up and down the board. Like the amount of energy mining use, you could use more, you could use less, but it won't really affect. You know, it won't. It won't you could use as much energy as you want without. I forgot what it was, but it's like not that fucking up block production. Yeah, you could do that, or and you can only fit a certain amount of uh, inputs inside a block. Yeah, you know, and like all of that, and you can only have twenty one million. Like Bitcoin is consistent with things you can only do, and they can't be manipulated. Like it can't be manipulated. So that within itself was just like mind boggling. Like everything down the line is gonna run in this one line forever. And then, you know, so I looked at, then you have the part of it going up in value. And I came in like right after 2016, what were they saying? It was like right after the whole Silk Road joint. And they had reached this like $1,200 all time high and it gone down again. So I came in around that area but even within that, it's like, regardless of the price, everything was uniform. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was just running by itself. And so then when I would look at, you know, traditional money or even altcoins, it's like, yo, I always, my head would start, when I start having to think about different people involved and grand bodies and all, it's like, damn, why does my brain feel so clouded when I'm trying to look at traditional finance? compared to Bitcoin, the only crowded part about it is the fact of trying to understand these technical terms. But once you on the base layer see it's consistent up and down the board, it's a line up and down the board. The only thing that's difficult is, like you said earlier, what rabbit hole you gonna go down? It's like, damn. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you really start realizing. So I, I, that's how I learned about money. I looked at what, how Bitcoin worked. I looked at what Bitcoin did. What Bitcoin did. And then I looked at <laughs> <laughs> Don't show other podcasts on this shit. And so then and then I looked at, you know, what money did not. And I didn't like again, I didn't really I didn't I learned off of YouTube. I would watch different videos and they would talk about all of this stuff. And I'm like, the underlying messages is the regular dollar doesn't perform well. And that's I would just hear like what's the what's the resounding message I'm hearing across the board? And that was it. And then I just built on that. Then it went to inflation. Then it went to issuance. Then you had last year, you print, what, 30, 25, 30% of all the money. But Bitcoin, <laughs> but Bitcoin did what? It, it, it mined, after May, it mined 900 Bitcoin every day throughout the pandemic. Yeah. And that was one of the greatest things ever. The fact that we were in a global pandemic the first pandemic, the recession, Bitcoin, you know, like 7,200 Bitcoins every day for four years. Come down here, we're at 900, some odd, 900, 900 Bitcoin every day. And we didn't have to change how we issued the currency for it to save the world. That, that's a big thing, like, because honestly, printing all that money didn't change much. <laughs> <laughs> Made people temporarily think, oh, I got the twelve hundred dollar paycheck, and then fast forward a year, meat prices are thirty five percent higher. It's like oh. it's insane, man. It's insane, man. That's like I really like that description too. 
the way I like to visualize, you just the way I, that really had me come to an aha moment. I'm like, oh shit! Like Bitcoin's separated from everything. Like Bitcoin doesn't even know that we're attributing a price to it. Doesn't know. It does. <laughs> doesn't even know that like humans are using it. Like if you just like break it down to like code and a network and a protocol that just does what the rules tell it it can do. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't know that we're putting a price on it. That we're sending it to each other for certain reasons. It just knows that here's the rules. People can play within these rules and. I'm going to keep producing blocks and people who are playing within the rules can get into my block. Like I always used to describe on, I haven't done it in a while, but in the show, like I always view Bitcoin as just like a, a pillar of light, like in a town square that anybody can like plug into. It's just mm-hmm. there, does what it does. Like it, it, it's going to continue to do what it does and it has no idea what we're doing with it, like outside of it. And that's like a beautiful thing when you come to understand. It's like, it doesn't, Bitcoin doesn't care. It can't care. It literally doesn't know. It is <laughs> an emotionless protocol. You know, it's, it's something else I started thinking too. Who actually, who made up 100 million sats equals one Bitcoin? I mean, it's Satoshi, right? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm saying because I know sometimes people would say, I mean, Satoshi never, I mean, it's in the, like, obviously 100 million sats is one Bitcoin. It's in the code. But, like, who started popularizing, like, using sats as the mm-hmm. um Yeah, like, who, unit. Who, who actually, like, you know, just, like, put it this way. The, like you said, the code doesn't know what we're doing. The code doesn't even care. The code doesn't even necessarily have, like, when you run nodes or whatever, everything is broken down in sats, you know bytes per set all yeah. the way all that per sets and it's like when it comes to the bitcoin the tech doesn't know that 100 million of them equals one bitcoin they just know yeah this is what we're running on yeah. and damn that was a dope analogy like it does not know yeah the dollar itself don't know but the people running the dollar know they know yeah but the code itself there's no one there yeah it's like no that's and that's the thing, like when people say, well, we're we gonna have price stability. You might not have price stability until 2140. Yeah. I mean, because you're gonna, if you always have, if you always have Bitcoin getting mined, I mean, getting a haveling, you can't sit here and say, you can't have supply shocks and a consistent price every four years. And like the whole concept of price stability is a misnomer and a, it's impossible. You're never gonna have price <laughs> stability of anything. Like you have supply and demand, scarce resources. People mm-hmm. have different preferences at pre- different times. Like mm-hmm. things, prices are gonna change for things, even monetary goods. Like everybody's like, oh, but the dollar, one dollar is one dollar. But that one dollar can't buy you what it bought you yesterday. Like, oh, man. I, my my friend, we used to say this all the time. In 1961, you could buy a cheeseburger for 19 cent from McDonald's. Yeah, that's an- it's a dollar fifty now at best, and it's the same burger, buns, relish, pickles, onions, whatever. Like the value, what people have to fail to realize is the value of the things you buy does not really appreciate as you think. Like a house, for instance. You know, my friends they say, "Well, you know, the housing is does." I'm like, "Grant, I know the house goes up in price, but." You never thought to ask why. I mean, you still got to fix the roof. You got to do maintenance. And it's like, you know, you're not, in my opinion, it's like this house itself is, you're paying more on it, but it's still depreciating 
in real value. Yeah. It has no choice but to de- like wear and tear weather. It's going to depreciate in value. But you have people paying this astronomical prices for these places. It's going to cause another bubble, but people just never really look at like, why, why is it I'm paying more for something that doesn't really get better over time? Yeah, especially if you're buying a house that was built like the last 30 years. They're literally designed to only last like 30 years, like the materials that they're used. Like, like what happened in Houston last year with all the snowstorm? Yeah. It's like people were buying more on somebody bought one of those houses at least $50,000 above asking price yeah and you and, and the snow caved in your roof <laughs> like it's that's that's those are the things that you look at as a Bitcoiner now like when you when you understand the real value of money when you know, first of all when you understand money you understand the value of Bitcoin then you start comparing it like, like that's another thing I did um cause back in those days all the altcoins, all altcoins, damn near had to be bought with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So you got to see how things were paired with Bitcoin, and it would always go down in sets. So when you pair everything to Bitcoin now, it's gonna go down in sets. And within that, it's like some things you're gonna need, like a house. You're going to need some things. But once you really look at it, that nothing, that's how I knew. When the, that's like I, I, t- I took Bitcoin at different levels and I realized everything lost value in Bitcoin because the money worked. The money, if the, when the money works, everything should lose value. Yeah. You should you pay for what it's worth. Like that, right. when I buy my house, I'm going to pay uh, what I think it's worth, not like. <laughs> Not like the, the house we're in another housing bubble right now. It's mm-hmm. undeniable. That's the thing. Like the money's so bad that people are like forced to throw their money at real estate mm-hmm. to try to maintain purchasing power. Like that, and that's like, and I have family and friends that are doing it right now. I'm like, ah, that's gonna pop. You should be buying Bitcoin. Like, yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, Earth is so overpriced. People are moving to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Earth is overpriced. People are moving to Mars, man, and. Again, even when you go to Mars, whose money do you think you're going to use? Right. Like, you're going to go to Mars and buy it with what? Do you think I'm going to give you U.S. dollar on Mars? Like, yeah. the rules on Mars, Earth rules do not apply on Mars. So if I want to go to Mars, what money am I going to take? You can use Bitcoin. I can, right? Yeah. I can be able to mine on Mars, but you can use Bitcoin. Hey, you know, and I can, and then, all right, so if I can't buy Bitcoin on Mars, but we have a citadel on Mars, guess what happens? Pretty much nobody's going to be exchanging Bitcoin. I mean, you could, but you start seeing what life looks like operate. If you want to actually see what life looks like operating on a Bitcoin standard, you got to take your mind somewhere with it. Like what I understood or what I gathered about life, like even when I was in prison, we used to use stamps. If my family couldn't send me money, I would use stamps as currency. And we set the price for stamps between 30 to 35 cents. And so if I wanted like deodorant in the canteen score would cost two thirty-five, I would give someone seven stamps. That was equivalent to two dollars and ten cents. But we gave we got an incentive for using the stamps. We set the price. It was a closed loop economy. And we knew the most important thing was to keep stamps in circulation. And so when Zay first told me about Bitcoin, I kept that that like 
and visual, in my mind, I took stamps out the equation and threw in Bitcoin. And then started seeing how that would work. You know, over time, if I'm paying for these goods or somebody wants to buy them, like, that's why I said, okay, this can really work. Because the only thing about Bitcoin, the only thing about the stamps and the Bitcoin in prison, you know, the COs can take your stamps. Mm-hmm. Nobody could take your Bitcoin. And that was like the only missing piece in my mind that let me knew that let me know that Bitcoin was unstoppable. Because within that within that world, like in prison, I've seen guys I've seen cell phones in prison. I've seen weed in prison. I've seen guys have all types of hard drugs in prison. So you're thinking like, they are still getting us in here. Nothing really stops. Yeah. Nothing stops. So if you can't stop cell phones in prison, <laughs> you're not gonna stop Bitcoin. And that was that was that was the revelation to me that was like, you know, this thing is gonna work forever. Yeah. It's gonna be. Thank God for Bitcoin. <laughs> Seriously. The world without it is like fucking scary as hell. Where would we be without Bitcoin now? If there was, if all right, let's just say it was two thousand. Let's say Bitcoin was in the phase that it was in in two thousand eight. Bitcoin is a two thousand eight Bitcoin, but we're here in two thousand twenty, two thousand twenty one. Where would we be? We'd be much more uh, depressed because I would be at least. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't know. We're in this alternate universe. Probably wouldn't know about it yet. Do you think it would like happen the same way? Obviously, now we have social media. Twitter was around back then too, but it wasn't that big. Facebook was same thing. Yeah, I mean, we here's the, we here's how bad catching up to here's do. how bad it is. You wouldn't even know you were in a bad situation. Huh. That's how that's how bad it is without Bitcoin. You don't even know how that's terrible. A very good point. Yeah, it's like, and those are the things about life when you don't know how how much you're in a real fucked up predicament. That's the worst thing because now people have died thinking this is how life is supposed to go. Yeah. And that's that is like the ultimate worst is like being in the middle of a damn crisis of pandemic and having to rely on the shit we see on TV right now. Yeah. It's fucked, man. Like the deaths of desperation that nobody wants to talk about. Like <laughs> that was like increasing before the pandemic. Like just look at the opioid crisis, the amount of alcoholism. Like it's, it's fucking. It gets weirder and weirder and worse. I mean, so like I tell people all the time, man, <laughs> Bitcoin saved the world in 2020. It saved the world, and it's going to continuously save the world moving forward. You have El Salvador. You have all these people. You have governments. You have mayors accepting Bitcoin for payment. <laughs> and and even when I'm on Clubhouse, Marty. People gonna get mad. I don't care. Sometimes I just sit back, like, why do y'all think? Like, do you think we should write a petition to the government to have them do this? I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't. And here's the reason why: because Bitcoin is still Bitcoin is the type of asset you can make a personal decision on. And if I'm personally sitting on Bitcoin, I'm in Congress. Do you think I'm a whether I'm a Democrat or Republican? I might have a Bitcoin, a whole Bitcoin, and then some. I think I'm about to pass off on bills to make, you know, to, to hurt Bitcoin? No. Yeah. 
like, I don't feel like paying tax. I, I'm a politician. I haven't been paying taxes for everything I want to do it now. <laughs> you know, like, so you, in my mind, sometimes I look at it like, yo, just have the process happen. Yeah. It's just like how the internet happened. Everybody complained. Some died. The ones that stayed used it. Yeah. It's going to be there. It's like, inevitable. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's like Thanos. Yeah. And so you don't have to do all, in my opinion, I mean, you might think it's speed up the process. I don't know, but you don't have to do any of that. Let somebody in um, Biden's Biden's administration just, hey, I got Bitcoin. The whole conversation will change. You know, the convers- conversation changes. And even if they do come down on it, there's nothing they can do about it. Exactly. They can write, like, <laughs> laws on paper, but, like, it's not going to stop my node from operating. <laughs> Again, Bitcoin has no idea that Biden administration <laughs> signed a bill. And it's like, uh. You remember net neutrality? Yeah. Bitcoin had no idea yeah, about right. that neither. Right. Like, they were talking about, I remember it was 2017. Oh, they passed a bill for net neutrality. Bitcoin went on route of blimp. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're going to try and do more and more. But again, Bitcoin just doesn't, it doesn't even know that Joe Biden exists. doesn't know that we exist. It's like, all right, as long as people in some places around the world have the software running, it's going to be fine. Uh, this has been a great conversation, man. I appreciate it, man. I'm glad I flew back out here. Yeah, I am too. What, uh, what's your plan for the rest of the day? Plan for the day, I'm going to go, I'm going to come back here for the Austin Bitcoin meetup. Um, I know I'm going to go lay down somewhere. I'm about to go lay down. I've been, I've been up since I've been here. Um, probably just, I do want to go drive by that 3D printed neighborhood here. Oh yeah. Um, I think that is very neat, very neat. And just chill out and check out more Austin, man. Fuck yeah. Where can we, uh, where can we find out more about you, your book? Where can we pick it up? So the book, um, if you're in Austin, well, I don't know when this airs. But uh there next week. Okay. From bars to bitcoin.com, you can check out my website from bars to bitcoin.com. Um if you're a noob, which if you're listening to Marty, you're probably not. But if you are, you can check out uh the link in my bio for a master class I host on Bitcoin, talking about conviction, why having conviction in Bitcoin is needed. If you want to have, you know, hundred X gains or better, um, because you can't you can't want astronomical numbers in Bitcoin without having diamond hands. And so I just share, you know, what I the, what I took to get there. Um, even with how y'all hear me talk about Marty, you know, it takes a lot to to build that up. And, um, yeah, man, follow me on Twitter, Bitcoin underscore vegan. Instagram, Bitcoin vegan Justin. Hell yeah. Well, Justin, Rhetoric, thank you. There we go. Thank you uh, for coming on. I'm sorry I butchered your name in the beginning. Um Go fucking check out the book, freaks. Follow follow Justin on Twitter. Yeah, let's just keep fighting, man. It's inevitable. I mean, it's a, it's incredible to see people like yourself in here spreading the good message. And I think we're gonna win with people like the three of us at this table. I think I think we're all gonna win. We have no choice but to, man. All right, that's all we got this week. For peace and love. Ding!